please stay right where you are because it's time for GeorgiaCarry.org radio with Doug and Jesse King. GeorgiaCarry.org is Georgia's no compromise voice for gun owners. Stay tuned for valuable information on protecting your Second Amendment right to keep and bear arms. And now, your host for GeorgiaCarry.org radio, Doug and Jesse King. Morning, everybody. You're listening to GeorgiaCarry.org radio. I'm here this week with Jesse. I'm your host, Doug King. And, and we are going to be talking a little bit about voting since Tuesday is primary election day here in Georgia. And we we just don't want to talk about what the legislature is doing this week. Now, early voting has been going on for like two weeks. Yeah, and almost I the, three. I had the pleasure of going in to early voting, not standing in line, casting my vote for the presidential primary and walking out of there all in about 10 minutes. It wasn't that bad. So Bernie's got your vote? Ha, Bernie, my butt. <laughs> <laughs> so... um that's actually something that's very interesting because Georgia does allow early voting. What Georgia doesn't allow is same-day voter registration, which uh, I'm from Minnesota originally. Minnesota allows for same-day voter registration. You walk in, you have ID showing where you live, you get to vote that day, your vote counts. Georgia requires that you be registered um, 31 days prior to the ballot being cast. And I think that that's a holdover from a bygone era, much like public gatherings, but it, it does cause people who are not on the ball to not get to vote. So if you're not registered today, you're not going to be able to vote today, tomorrow, or on Tuesday. Right. In fact, if you were not registered as of a month ago. Yeah, it was the, for, to vote in tomorrow or Tuesday's election, you had to have been registered before February 1st of this year. So it's very important to make sure that you're registered to vote, but not only registered to vote in your county, that that address is your updated residential address. Yeah, let's talk about how you know that, Jess. How do I know that? Because I am doing a voter registration drive in the county in which we reside. And they gave you a whole bunch of rules about that. Yeah, and one of the rules is any of the forms that are filled out have to be turned in within 72 hours mm-hmm. um, in order for a person to vote they have to have a valid address at which is in the county and is their legitimate address. So say they vote, registered to vote six years ago at an address and then they moved in with mama next door. They're no longer technically a registered, registered voter. voter. So they need to update that information. And I come across as I was um, assisting someone while they were having signatures on a petition I was registering the voters for them that were not registered or needed to update. So it's very important that you go out and have your voter registration updated. And there's lots of ways to do that. You can do that at the DMV. You can do that at the Board of Elections. You can even do it at your local library. When you sign up for a library card, they ask you if you want to register to vote. And I believe you can also do it online. The online works if you have a Georgia driver's license. If not, it requires you, it gives you a form to print out and bring to the Board of Elections in your own county. Okay. So you can be a Georgia resident and not have a Georgia driver's license because you've been here over 30 days, but you have not switched out your your driver's license. They'll still allow you to vote. Correct. In the county in which you reside. Yeah. That's a good thing. Or you may not have a driver's license. We still, well, there's also state, state ID. ID yeah, but, but what if you don't want one? I mean, they can't force you to get a state ID in order to vote. They just have to force you to prove who you are. And you know that Georgia has the most restrictive voter ID law in the entire country. Can you blame them? I mean, after the 2000 election where dead people left hanging chads in Florida, 
Yeah. Let's be real. I mean, there's a, a kind of serious issue with dead zombie voters in the Democratic Party. Well, I think that there's some serious issues with voters on, on all sides. And I think that a lot of the rules that are set up are not really rules to um, keep the system pure, but in order to protect incumbents. It, yeah, it's to protect incumbents. It's also to protect the rich. I mean, look at Hillary Clinton and the superdelegates. Oh, my goodness, yeah. So. You know, that I, I, I do not typically vote Democratic. This year, I seriously considered vo- throwing my vote to Bernie because I think that Hillary needs to be forced into realizing that you can't just walk away with an election. And I would rather see those two duke it out in, in serious form. Also, you have to remember that uh, delegates are based on proportionately to population. So if you have a population center that is primarily Republican and you choose to vote Democrat, your vote has more weight on the Democratic ballot than it would on the Republican ballot. You know those buttons people wear during election years? I know lots of buttons. Which ones are you referring to? They're they're just, you know, so so and so for president in 2016. I like Ike. I saw one that said Hillary for prison 2016. I was like, "Yes, I need that." Bush Reagan eighty four or or some really oldies but goodies. If you go back past I like Ike, then you've got um Tippy Canoe and Tyler too. Tippy Canoe. Yep, Tippy Canoe and Tyler too. What state was this from? The, they were um it was uh, I wanna say an Illinois candidate. Uh-huh. And it was the first time a presidential election slogan was used. And what it, the Tippy Canoe was a famous battle, and it's um, Her- William Henry Harrison fought in the Battle of Tippy Canoe, and so he ran with Tyler as his running mate, and his slogan was Tippy Canoe and Tyler too. And William Henry Harrison was when he was elected, he wanted to, it was one of the very first times that they had photography for the presidential inauguration, and so when he gave his speech. For to be inaugurated, he spoke for three hours. It was a cold, wet, rainy day in D.C. in January. And he stood out there without a top coat on because he wanted to be photographed in his suit. He caught a, uh, he uh, got pneumonia and he died 30 days after giving his inaugural speech. And well, Tyler became president. Then it was. Just Tyler. Tyler with no tippy canoe. No tippy canoe. Yeah. So William Henry Harrison died in 30 days. There's well, your presidential history for the he day. He obviously was, was about as smart as the candidates we have now. I mean, we have old Uncle Bernie that doesn't realize that you can't produce things out of nowhere. Yeah. Well, you got you got free stuff and, and dumb stuff there. Uncle Bernie and the money tree. We all <laughs> write a book, a little children's <laughs> book. Yeah. Well, you know, the... People are giving him a very hard time, okay? But it's not that his policies are unworkable. It's just that they're impractical. Practical. And here's here's the difference, right? He's going to take money from the richest people and redistribute it. He's at least being freaking honest about it because Obama is doing the same thing. But Obama did it with monetary policy, whereas Bernie Sanders is going to do it with tax policy. And of the two... I would much rather have Bernie Sanders than Obama because tax policy at least is honest that I'm taking your money and giving it to someone else. When you do it with monetary policy, no one even realizes what's happening as they take money from 
savers and redistribute redistribute it to debtors. And see, I see other problems with our country right now, such as we have racial tensions in our country that are higher than they've been since the peak of the civil rights movement. I don't know if they're as bad as they were during the peak of the civil rights movement. We had a lot of riots in the late 60s. I'm saying they're the worst that they've been since then. I would agree with that. Um, I mean, we had the L.A. riots riots over Rodney King and and those kind of things. But they weren't like what's been going on during the second um, term of of the Obama administration. I'll I'll give you that. But I... I want to be careful because if you want to look from like 56 through say 68 that period, I would say that racial tensions were much higher than than oh, they are today. I agree, but I'm not I'm not taking that into account. I'm saying since then we're at the highest we've been since the civil rights movement. Okay, and I'll agree with that. Why? Well, I think it's that because our a, president's a race baiter. First off, uh, some. I mean, the, the let's let's be fair. The entire Democratic Party uses race as a control mechanism in order to secure a voting block. And it's not this just is true. Obama. In fact, I was called a racist on Facebook the other day because I said I wasn't voting for Bernie. I'm like, hold on a minute. You're anti-Semitic. I'm the color of Bernie. He's Jewish. Is he Jewish? Yeah. Well, I'm not anti-Semitic. <laughs> I, I love Jews. In fact, I, I, they've got some pretty awesome food. Yeah, they're very strong and awesome and, and, people. I mean, I'm going to shout out to our favorite Jewish person, <laughs> yeah, Mark I'm a, Gilbert. I'm not a Jew. I'm just Jewish. He, yeah. That's what he said when he was eating some bacon one day. <laughs> yeah. Not a Jew. I'm just Jewish. But Well, I, I'm telling you, the Israelis have the most awesome weapon systems on Earth. I mean, we want to talk about the Uzi, the Tavor, the... The Jericho, I mean, that's that's where it's at, man. And the Desert Eagle. I know everyone out there wants to pick on Desert Eagles, but that's just because they're not man and woman enough to be able to handle it. Well, you know, my return answer to them was, so I'm racist. Are you voting for Ben Carson? <laughs> well. Who's the racist here, buddy? No, Nobody's voting for Ben Carson. Do you know I, why? Because he doesn't have any fire in his belly. It's because he talks like a mouse. Have you noticed him? Yeah. He doesn't even move his mouth when he talks. It's like looking to looking at a baby talking. He very much reminds me of that. Like, I, I went to one of those, or not went to, watched one of those um, misread oh. lip readings. Oh. And the ones of, of him, you could turn it into anything because his mouth hardly moves. Well... You know, that, that's, there was a article in Psychology Today, uh, two weeks ago about Ted Cruz and how Ted Cruz's body language is polar opposite from what he's saying at the time, which is why people have a hard time trusting him. And, and his campaign took that like right on before they did anything. Their first thing was trying to put out Ted is trustworthy, trust Ted, trustworthy. And it, before it even became an issue, they knew that that was going to be a problem. And it's his well, body language. You can't stand there and say, trust me and have close body language. Mm-hmm. You can't say, oh, yeah, I'll help you with that and shake your head in no. a no direction while you're doing it. Because it kind of gives off the fact mm-hmm. that you're lying. We've come to a commercial break now, so stay tuned and we'll be back. Now, back to GeorgiaCarry.org radio with Doug and Jesse King. 
Welcome back, everybody. When we took the break, we were talking about why people aren't voting for Ben Carson and 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 Ted Cruz's mixed signals with body language. And I think that a lot of this comes down to and what I like to call is fire in the belly. And people want a presidential candidate who has some gumption to them. They want someone who they can get behind. Why is Ben Carson getting 4% in like Nevada? Okay. And it's because he's like little mousy, not, not a big character. We look at our world leaders. Take Putin, for in- instance. Mm-hmm. In our minds, Putin is, is a, a big personality. And I think to be the president of any country or the ruler of any country, you kind of need a, a bigger personality, not a small personality. Not, not necessarily. I can I can give you an example of someone who is soft spoken, but who carries an aura of respect. Okay, oh. Benjamin Netanyahu. Okay. When he, when he speaks, he speaks quietly, but he commands respect, and it's a different kind of personality. But Putin, Netanyahu, and Obama all have fire in their belly. When they get going, you can see that they are passionate about something. And see, when I see Ben Carson, and all due respect to Ben Carson, I have no problem with him personally, but he's very ben Carson, muted. Ben Carson would make an excellent president, but he's I, not I going to be. I don't disagree. Well, you have to convince people that when the trouble comes around and, and the heat's turned on, that you're able to handle that heat. And I'm not, I do not have the confidence that Ben Carson is just because, like you say, he doesn't have any fire in his belly. I want somebody to say, what are we going to fire the nukes? And him go, nah, well, we could or we couldn't. Um, I'm not real sure. I want him to say, is it, is it our only hope? Yes, it's our only hope. Well, then push that button and enter that code, turn that key, whatever you have to do. <laughs> it's interesting that you bring Defend up our people. <laughs> nuclear codes because that was something else in the news this week that really caught my attention. Did you, uh, speaking of presidential candidates, John McAfee is going to be running for the Libertarian nomination coming up in Orlando. Did you hear what he said about the Apple fiasco? He said, bring me the phone and me and my people will hack it for you. For free. For free. If you truly want to get into that one phone, the FBI has declined that request because it's not about that one phone. It's about my iPhone and your own iPhone and James Kemp's iPhone and everybody else's iPhone. They want to be able to backdoor any of them should they have any suspicion of us or even no suspicion of us. McAfee finished. You're exactly right. He finished that statement with what's not getting reported. He said... But if you want to make a back door for every phone, we would be safer just handing out our nuclear codes. Yeah, because what happens? A back door opens us up to vulnerabilities that are incredible. People keep all kinds of information in their iPhones. Mm-hmm. Their social security numbers, pictures of their hoo-ha. <laughs> I don't. But people do. I mean, I have friends that have pictures on there well, that what, they wouldn't want the average person hacking into and seeing. What about the the hospital that got hacked this last week by ransomware and they paid out $17,000 to get their customer data back? That's crazy. I was listening to a podcast last night and they were saying that the the it was it was uh Science Friday with Ira Plato. Um they were talking about the hospital getting hacked and how that it's not just ransomware anymore but now it's extortionware where they will not only encrypt your data but they make a copy of it and then after you pay to get it back into your data then you start to get emails saying okay well we have this this and this and we're going to release it unless you do this this and this for us that's crazy yeah and so things are getting even more i mean 
high tech and and the high tech bandits. This is you know mafia stuff, right? The concern used to be that somebody at the hospital would go into records and steal some records and thereby steal your identity using that information, and it's happened. Mm-hmm. I've seen in place you know cases in the news where people have gone into hospitals and stole records and, and stolen identities with it. Now the issue is. Can my phone be hacked to steal my identity? Can the hospital be hacked or my credit card company or Target? Well, (laughs) hacking to steal identity is really low-level stuff compared to what they can do if they hack into your hospital records and suddenly they see that Charlie Sheen has AIDS. This is true. And, you know, if you're trying to keep your medical history quiet, which is your right... Then what are you willing to pay to do that? Well, let's let's remember that this is part of Obamacare was that they were going to electronicize is that the right digitize digitize all of our medical records, which destroyed private practice in Alaska, by the way. But that's another show. Um, you're right. This was an Obamacare issue, and HIPAA goes back back to what 2002. Yeah. And so you've got all of these competing things of trying to get people to have their information more readily available, that doctors can communicate with each other, that they can cut costs, but it's making us more vulnerable. It does make us more vulnerable and, and to scary hackers. It's not just, you know, the little nerd down the street that lives in his mom's basement. This is anonymous. What was it? Anonymous was in the news like yesterday threatening to hack someone in the U.S., I'd, I'd have to I don't, look back. I don't. I didn't see that back. one. It was in, it was on NBC. I was I was kind of sucked into something yesterday, so I, I wasn't following the news as much as I should have. I ended up debating Michael Graham over on um, 106.7 about whether or not Trump can go the distance. I'm like, are, are you kidding me? I mean, he's pulling in what 40, 50 percent now, and and Graham says, well. Sure, but that's only 40 or 50% in the Republican caucuses. Can he pull in when you get to the general? And my, my response was, if you look at the numbers in 2008 to now, in 2008, I want to say that there was 36,000 uh, primary voters in Nevada. Now there was 74,000. So let's, let's look at this, though. Do the primary voters really count? Because we vote, and then we those votes are translated somehow into delegates. delegates. Mm-hmm. And then when the actual general election happens, we vote. But those votes aren't what matters. It's the Electoral College. Yep. Now, Georgia is trying to pass some legislation to rid us of the Electoral College in Georgia, right? Well, the, there are several states, and Georgia is looking at the possibility of becoming one that become bound states, which means that the electors are absolutely required to vote the way the general population voted. See, I've always thought that that's what they needed to do anyway. You know, some states require it. Other states don't. And it's, you know, because our system of government was set up to keep the people at bay, and I don't care what people say, this this is a republic, not a democracy, and the whole system, everything in the system, was designed to keep the voter as back as far as possible. So uh, how how do you elect the members of the House of Representatives? That's direct apportionment, right? You vote, you have enough votes, you get in. How do you get to be a U.S. senator? The legislature of your state appoints you, and there's two of them. So every state gets two, there's equality, and the state legislatures pick who gets to go. How do you pick the president? Well, you have a college of electors that are the smartest people who help make this decision. Except they're not the smartest people, or we wouldn't have Obama in there right now. 
Well, the the system has been tweaked over the last 200 years by states saying that you have to go by the popular vote and this growing idea that the popular vote matters. And so that has helped shape elections. And that brings us back to hanging chads because the popular vote was going towards Bush, but the electors were going towards Gore, and Florida was becoming the pivotal key state. And Florida was the one that had so many dead voters, which has become an epidemic in some states. The dead have risen, and they're voting Democratic. Now, I can't figure out if that's due to illegals using Social Security numbers of dead people or if someone's actually voting as those dead people. That's a hard one to, to, to place. I mean, there's there's a lot of identity theft issues and um, unscrupulous voter registration going on, too. And the FBI is trying to make some more issues with the iPhones. Yeah, well, that's. I think that that's a pretty scary thing. The government does not need to be ordering private companies to do things. And there is some allegations, if you want to go down the conspiracy, conspiracy theory aisle, that the government purposefully locked themselves out of the phone in order to be able to have this argument. Well, one of the first things they did was reset the password on the cloud. Mm-hmm. Now, who? let me ask you this. This is a gotcha question. Who owns that iPhone? Who owns that iPhone? Well, the dead people would have owned the iPhone technically. No, no because the it wasn't The cell phone theirs. company. It wasn't theirs. Oh, it was, no, it was the San Bernardino city. Yes, it was given to them by their job. It wasn't their property. So then the city's job is to... Have a policy in place where they can get into their own phones? Maybe. <laughs> it would seem that, yeah. They can't. That That's what blows my mind. So they give them phones, but they give them the ability to lock them out? Well, the iPhone is that way, so maybe they shouldn't be passing out iPhones. But the iPhone has – you can have a, a administrative security feature installed on your iPhone so that you can get into it when you give it to an employee. And it costs you an extra $4 a month to have outside access to the phone so that you can crack into it no matter what. Well, I guess they didn't feel like spending that extra $4 a month. Well, I think that it's more than that. I think that there's an awful lot of games going on here. And now I know that the the director of the FBI testified in front of Congress just the other day about his budget, and he said that this iPhone thing was the most vexing problem of his career. It's because they're dying to get into everybody's iPhone. It's not about the one phone. It's like the difference in, well, we're coming up on a commercial break, so we'll continue this in a minute. I'll talk about iPhones and security when we get back from this commercial break. Now, back to GeorgiaCarry.org Radio with Doug and Jesse King. Welcome back, everybody. Jesse and I are talking about iPhones now because everybody likes an iPhone. I'm an Android person. Well, you know, we're talking about the, them wanting a backdoor into the iPhone, and it's not just that iPhone. It's all iPhones. And I have equated this in my mind with... The police have a criminal that's at an apartment complex. So they go to the apartment manager and they say, hey, we need access to this apartment. This is the warrant for this apartment. And so the apartment complex manager says, sure, here's the key to that apartment. This is different than what the FBI is asking for here. Because what the FBI is asking for is, hey, we have a criminal in your one apartment, but we want a master key that fits all of your apartments. So we can go in any of them anytime we want. 
And the apartment complex manager would say, no, you can't do that. And this goes back to McAfee's offer to crack into one iPhone. Right. I mean, this, this highlights it. And this is just another example of the way our freedoms get taken away and why it's important to have someone that's willing to help you fight for your freedoms. You know, something that just popped into my head, who's leading in the polls in the Republican race? Donald Trump. Uh-huh. Big personality. Who's starting to take the lead in the libertarian race? McAfee. Big personality. Bernie Sanders, for all of his flaws, has a pretty big personality. Right? Yeah. And Hillary Clinton has a big criminal record. Record. Yeah. She's, she's pure baggage. But Hillary Clinton, Jeb Bush, Kasich, um, Jindal. Oh, what's the dude from South Carolina? Uh, Lindsey Graham Nasty. All, all of them, all the Did party. You say Lindsey Graham Nasty? Yeah. Oh my gosh. All the party line people are doing less well than expected to absolutely horrible. The people who are outside, independent, big personalities are doing unexpectedly well. Everyone expected Trump to crash and burn. Why is it that they're doing unexpectedly well? I believe it's because people are tired of the establishment. Yeah. Well, the establishment is this, like, cool new phrase that talk show hosts invented about, I don't know, 12 months ago. But there's something – what I like is party line. And because the reason I like to call them party line – Republicans or party line Democrats is because it invokes an image of the Communist Party because you had communist hardliners, party liners, who were the ones that were causing the most trouble in Eastern Europe. It invokes a tug of war image for me. We've got Hillary on one side pulling on the rope, and then we've got Marco Rubio and Ted Cruz and pulling the rope on the other side, and then we've got, you know, Trump. <coughs> And we got Trump, Ma- McAfee mm-hmm. and Sanders trying to throw banana peels under their feet. I mean, this is just the, the image yeah, I get in my head when we, you say party line. We, so we, it. we had the exquisite pleasure of going to Trump's rally last week. Oh, you call this pleasure. I call it pain. <laughs> well, you know, it, it. we brought our five and seven year old down there. I still there. can't figure out why they were confiscating people's umbrellas. I don't know. But there was a huge pile of umbrellas. It was more umbrellas than I've ever seen in one place of my life. <laughs> and the people in line in front of us asked the guy that's standing there, they're like, you guarding the umbrellas? And he's like, well, no. I was like, oh, come on. That's an important job, the guard of the umbrellas. <laughs> oh, it's better than the, the poor Secret Service person who has to turn on and off the cell phones. How about the guy that had to look through my purse? Yeah. They, he dumped out my cough drops. I do not forgive him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, we get down there, and my impression of Trump's rally was that this was the most disorganized, poorly thought out the, event ever. The only thing I can figure is that his interns and people that are volunteers have no clue what they're doing. I would, I would because agree. it was akin to a very poorly planned child's birthday party yes um where you know it's it's the first time anybody's ever planned a birthday party so we're just going to put this little birthday party together we're going to rent a venue and and you end so up we're going to take the six-year-old night we're going to take the six-year-old to a strip club <laughs> you know well, it wasn't quite that bad but there was 
a music track that was playing four or five songs that repeated over and over again. Mm-hmm. There were folding chairs for maybe a fourth of the crowd to a half of the crowd. And the crowd was not to expectation either. It was lower than they were anticipating. So it's not like that they had seats for everyone that they had expected to be there and then it overflowed. They chose a venue where parking was crap. Yeah, don't ever, folks, this is, this is from on high here, okay? If you ever have to do anything, don't do it to the Georgia World Congress Center. It is neither it is, worldly nor congressional. <laughs> thank you for stealing my line, Jess. There we go. Whose line is it anyway where the points don't matter and nobody cares? It is just a building that doesn't have parking. Um, the bathrooms were hard to find. And, and the perk of the whole trip for our child was pigeons. Pigeons, yeah. Pigeons. She was so happy to see the pigeons. And escalators. And escalators. And to get a yard sign. Yeah. She was ecstatic about the yard sign. That was pretty funny. But she goes toting it out over her head like a victory banner coming out of there. And this lady wanted to say something to her, and I, I gave her the look of death, and she just shut up. <laughs> there was also some kind of, like, hair show. Long, uh, beautiful hair. Fake hair. Weave. <laughs> Yeah. So anyway, what does any of this have to do with guns? Nothing. But it's better than talking about the campus carry bill. That'll tick me off. <laughs> Ticks me off too, which is why we're not talking about it. So, and so, folks, if you are for the new campus carry bill and you're upset that it's not going anywhere, we're ticked off with you. If you're against the new campus carry bill and you think that there are other better bills and we should be sponsoring those, then we're ticked off with you. Whatever you're ticked off about, we're, we're ticked you. off with you. And we're moving on. Because I'm going to rock and roll all night and party every day. There you <laughs> go. So we have legislation here in Georgia. You've brought us into our Georgia legislation open. And this is the second half of a two-year session. Some of the things that were trying to be pushed through last year, like that training bill that was... Um, Dexter Sharper. Dexter Sharper, who has no training of his own, going to tell us all how, what kind of training we need. In fact, Doug offered him free training, and he still has not contacted... Well, let's be fair. I haven't contacted him either. You gave him your number. That's he did true. not give you the voice well, we, we had his number. We know his number. It's online. We can hunt that man down. We ought to follow up with him and see if he's got any training and if he wants I, any. I should, but... I just, I just can't. I can't bring myself to do it. The one interview was enough. So, you know, he thought everybody should have training. And his legitimacy for this was that he used to be an ambulance driver. And I understand that there's, you know, a little bit of accidents that happen and some gun violence that happens. There's violence in general that happens. In fact, you can be violent with anything. I've seen people in movies that were beat to death with a candlestick or a lead pipe. Have you ever seen the movie Clue? Yes. Yeah. Mr. Tim Curry. Mr. Lemon did it in the study with rope or whatever, you know. Tim Curry was genius in that movie. At least he wasn't wearing lingerie in that movie. (laughs) Just saying. He was also in The Hunt for October, which is one of my favorite movies. He played the He wasn't wearing lingerie in it either. But these are the kind of bills that we do not want to see pushed through, such as the the training bill. I'm not against training. I am against someone forcing me to pay for training to exercise something that's supposed to be a right to me. I had to renew my carry permit recently. Yeah, what kind of um, situation was that for you? Let's talk about that. Uh, it wasn't. 
anything dramatic. I mean, it, I I was one of the very last people who had the old style permit. So, Don't we have a bill that they're trying to push, push through right now that would limit the time they have to get that to you to 10 yeah, days? Yeah, yeah, yeah. There, there is a great bill that was introduced, but it's been introduced too late, and that kind of bothers me. But And it's going to have to be reintroduced next time because there's not enough time this year and won't carry over to next year because it's the end of the two-year session. But one of the things that it did was, it, you, you know how the... It, technically, they have 45 days to, to get the whole thing wrapped up because they've got 30 days to do the fingerprints and the background check. Yeah. Well, they're going to limit the entire process to 10 days to do the fingerprint check, so the whole thing would take less time and, and limit how much they have. So that t- shaves 20 days off of the time. That's really going to kill Clayton County and they're like four-month wait on carry permits. Yeah. Well, it's going to do a lot of things. Another thing that was really great about the bill was that it provided due process. Imagine that. Due process for people who are denied their rights because of mental illness concerns. So not only now would you have to have some sort of commitment in order to lose your rights, but if you were well again, you could get your rights restored through due process. So let's What a be, novel let's, idea. Let's discuss this for one second. A person has a nervous breakdown. Their mother dies. It, it really tears them up. They get some depression going on. And and through no fault of their own, they're committed. Mm-hmm. Five years later, they're doing well. Mm-hmm. They they went through a regimen of medication and therapy. No longer on medication, but now they're not allowed to have a gun. You're telling me that they can go through a, a process in Georgia if this law is passed and get their gun rights restored? Yep. I'm for that. Yeah, I, and that you have to have been out for so so long, and you have to go through a process and prove this and that. But it's no different than getting a pardon for a felony. No. And if we're going to start treating mental illness like felons, we should at least give them due process. I I think that no matter what you do, there should be some due process to it. I, I mean, we have a right to due process. Mm-hmm. And when somebody says, well, you've lost your rights, and... There's no way for you to ever get them back. That's not fair. You know that it used to be like that for possession of marijuana. They would have, if you had any possession of marijuana, it was a lifetime prohibitor. Folks, we're at a commercial break. We shall return in just a moment. And now back to GeorgiaCarry.org radio with Doug and Jesse King. Welcome back, everybody. So, you know, we're kind of wrapping things up today. We had a little discussion during the commercial break. One of our, our primary focuses was to encourage you to get out and vote. And so on Tuesday, you can get out and vote for the presidential candidate of your choice. As long as it's Bernie Sanders, you're doing good. Yeah. For every for everybody else, you're going to have to wait until March 1st to vote in the primaries. And I would encourage you to go and vote your conscience, especially against the incumbents. And then after that, we have the general election coming up in November. So these are important dates to remember. We also have local and county primaries coming up in May. May 1st. And it's important to go out and vote for those, too, because local issues are very important. We've learned that, Doug and I, while dealing with some local authorities while um, putting a home on some property. Let, Let me put it this way. I just took a class on eminent domain this week, right? The President of the United States is never going to come over to your house and say, your house is now mine for a freeway, sucker, tough. No, but, but your, your county, county commissioner might. might. And your your city mayor might. And, you know, if the, the county or the, the city decides that they're going to put a freeway through your front yard, do you know what recourse you have? 
Absolutely none. The That's only it. option you have is to be paid for it. Yep. Now the question is, is at the end of the day, do they pay you, you know, for your $100,000 home, do they pay you $20,000 worth of fair market value or $1.2 million worth of fair market value? And it depends the person, on who and, you have testify as a expert, expert in that situation. And yeah. you know who gets to make that decision? They do. A jury. Oh, the jury does, A really. jury just gives a ward on how much is fair market value. And you think, well, what on earth does a jury know about fair market value? Well, you know what? What on earth does a jury know about murder either? But we, in the end, we let the jury make those decisions. And here's the, the, the kicker, okay? In every condemnation case, the condemnee wins. They because always get, get paid. paid. But you will never save your house. And and the example they gave during my, my class was in order to make an omelet, you have to... Break some eggs. Now, the question is, are these normal eggs or are they Fabergé eggs? They're normal eggs. <laughs> if, if you're the state, they're normal eggs. If you're the landowner, they're Fabergé eggs. Well, you know, I've seen this happen. Maybe they're where they, eggs. they widened a road and some of the houses were too close to it, so they declared eminent, eminent domain. domain and paid these people for their property not to mention when they widened they had to declare eminent domain on somebody's fr- part of somebody's front yard and they, so they paid know, they, them for it they call that la limited access they paid them for it now the people that th- their houses were completely going to be torn down some of them actually sold the houses themselves and had them moved mm-hmm. and that was an interesting process to watch and that they, if they they get paid less if they take the house off and relocate it than if they allow the house to be bulldozed. It's ridiculous. In fact, you'd think they would let them move their house. And the 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 trial for the the payment only comes after negotiations have failed to try to determine free market between the parties. They have to make a good faith. They try effort. to make mediate at first. Yes, they have to make a good faith effort at mediation before you can even get to I was a trial. Watching a documentary about mediation the other day, and it seems that a lot of criminal courts are now going to mediation before they try cases, and in different states, not necessarily Weird. in Georgia. Um, one of them being North Carolina and Virginia. That's I'm, I'm sorry, that's pointless because if you have two attorneys, you should be able to mediate it between the attorneys because that's part of their freaking job. Well, this is they're setting down the defendant and they're setting down the accuser and they're trying to get to the bottom of it and they're saying that it's lessened the caseload. By 30%. So you're telling me there was 30% of frivolous charges that people could have just talked through? Yeah. Somebody's not doing their job in the magistrate's office. I'm just saying. Well, that comes down to police officers because police officers make the arrest. Not in all states. Police officers make arrests in all states. No, but police officers do not are not in charge of the charging in all states. No, not in any state, actually. They make a recommendation of charge to the prosecuting office, and the prosecutor okay. makes the charge. Well, I know personally that in, a, in another state where I've lived, I could go right now, walk into the magistrate's office, and say, Doug King hit me. And they would say, where did this occur? And I would give them an address, and they would allow me to swear out a warrant on you, and they would go and serve you a criminal summons, mm-hmm. not arrest you. Yeah. And you would have to show up in court and defend yourself against me saying that you hit me or threatened me over the phone or whatever. At a, at a level of probable cause. Right. Yeah. And um, what they're trying to do is get rid of all of those cases. 
with yeah, mediation, which makes is, sense to me. That is the, the magistrate not doing their job. So how do you get involved in georgiacarry.org? You can do your job by going to georgiacarry.org's website, clicking on membership, and following the instructions there to become a member. You can also go to any of the area gun shows or festivals. We set up tables at these events. Gun show, gun show, gun, gun show. show. And the Big Shanty Festival. Flea market, flea market, flea we market. We don't do flea markets. <laughs> But any of those festivals you can go to and Basically, sign up. Basically, any place where Mark Gilbert can be found, you can join GeorgiaCarry.org. That is not necessarily true because you can track him and find him at different restaurants any day of the week. But which have not Wi-Fi. Which have Wi-Fi. No kidding. And then you can join. Well, okay. You got a point there. But still, <laughs> <laughs> what happens when you join? Well, you receive a, a neat membership card and you also receive emails that keep you up to date on which representatives to call about what bill and, and to and help to be get polite. bills passed. And yes, a reminder to be polite to these people because we do have to keep a, a working relationship with them. Because you want to be credible. Well, you can either be credible or incredible. Which one do you choose? I choose the latter. That's just me, though. Well, you are incredible. That's true. <laughs> Well, anyway, I think we're coming up to the end of our show here. If you have listened today online and you would like to listen on your local radio station, send us an email over at radio at georgiacarry.org and let us know what your local radio station is, and we would be glad to contact them about syndication. Because that's a lot easier than moving into downtown Atlanta to listen to us on AM 1160. But should you do that, I'm sure we could find some nice Georgia Carry members who will help you move just so you can listen to us live. And, and, and you can come to the local chapter meetings, which are popping up. I know there's a South Metro meeting coming up soon and lots of opportunities. So, folks, we will be back next week. Enjoy the weekend. Get out there and do something good for somebody. We'll be back. Same bat time, same bat time. This has been GeorgiaCarry.org Radio with Doug and Jesse King. GeorgiaCarry.org is Georgia's no-compromise voice for gun owners. Tune in each week for valuable information on protecting your Second Amendment right to keep and bear arms. GeorgiaCarry.org Radio, Saturday mornings at 8 on News Talk 1160, the talk of the town.